God, we lift up our voices of praise tonight. Just praise the Lord right where you are tonight. Just praise the Lord tonight. Amen. Lord, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are worthy. You are glorious, God. God, we pray that your name would always be lifted up in our lives every moment, every day. Thank you, God, so much for your amazing love and your grace. Lord, thank you that as we seek your presence here tonight, that we will find you and that you will find us. And that we meet you in this place, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you would open us up tonight to receive your truth, to receive your love, and to become aware of your presence that is constantly with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat for just a couple of moments. The next several weeks at Tabernacle, as we're presenting, um, we want to focus on some different aspects of the video that you see each week uh, before we start Tabernacle. In this video, kind of in a symbolic way, it talks about us finding direction in our life. And it kind of follows a story, if you will, not a literal story, but more of a symbolic story of, of three different people that are looking for direction in their life in different moments that they encounter. And so I don't want to begin with the moment uh, where there was a line in the video in the beginning that says, we are not alone. And I think that's a moment that everyone longs to come to. I think that's a moment that we all need to come to. Maybe we come to several points and times in our lives, but especially there are times when we feel like we're alone, right? There are times when we feel like there's no one else and we feel abandoned or just neglected or just kind of, uh, you know, sometimes we feel pushed to the side, right? But more often than not, it's like, We've just kind of been shuffled away with the papers of last week in other people's lives. I and mean, we don't feel like we have a place um, anymore. And we, and we can wonder at times if there's anyone that cares. We can wonder if there is a God that cares. And the same is true when it comes to the presence of God. I mean, we all need to realize in the ultimate sense that we're not alone because God is always with us. But that truth, that truth doesn't sink into us because our experience tells us or, or seems to tell us that God is not with us sometimes. There are times when we don't feel his presence and, and there are times when we wonder and, and we feel his presence at different levels. So what is this deal? What is this deal with a God who sometimes we can feel his presence and sometimes we can't feel his presence? And why do some people seem to be walking in his presence almost all the time and other people say, I've never experienced the presence of God and I don't even know if there's a God in the world or not. How do we reconcile all those things together? How do we get to that moment in our life where we can truly say that we are not alone? Well, I believe it begins with this. It begins with an understanding of God and his world and the universe that he has created. If we believe, as nearly all religions do, that God or some type of supreme being has created this world or is involved in this world, then we must understand that God's presence is truly everywhere. For we believe that God is bigger. God, God is before all things. That God stood before creation and he called things into being. That this is his world and that we simply are living in it. Uh, the ancient Israelites, the Hebrews, believed this. In their scriptures, it talked about how God's presence filled the earth. And the prophet Isaiah of the Israelite people some thousands of years ago said this. Um, he had this vision where he saw the presence of God, you know, where we're longing, like, God, I want to be in your presence. He had this vision where he legitimately saw, like, the place where God was, like a throne room where God was sitting as close as you could get uh, to the experience. 
And as he was looking at this, there were all kinds of angels and angelic creatures, and, and they were worshiping God. And he's seeing this almost fantastical picture um, of, of what it's like to be in the presence of God. And here's what these angelic creatures are saying, what they're singing back and forth to each other. Found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is a theme that is expressed in other places. But what does this mean that the whole earth is full of his glory? It means that the glory of God is the presence of God, right? It's his light, it's his love, it's his power. It's what emanates out of the most holy, powerful being in the universe. His glory is his very presence. And they're saying that the glory of God, the presence of God, that the whole earth is full of his glory. In fact, if we were to do a more literal translation, it would be something like this. That the whole earth is soaked in the glory of God. The entire earth Everything that's created, everything that we know about this universe is soaked in the presence of God. This earth is literally dripping in the presence of God. It is soaked in the presence of God. And we need to understand that first and foremost. It is dripping with the presence of God. So we tend to think this is our world, right? And so we're looking for God's fingerprints on this world. But really, it's God's world, and we're putting our fingerprints on it. And so the signs and the things we're looking for of God are just not deep enough to the core of this. Because if we're soaked in the presence of God, then that means God's presence is literally everywhere. The earth is soaked in it. His creation is soaked in it. There's evidence of God, both on the surface and deep, everywhere in the world. There's not somewhere that God isn't. People used to say, oh, come on, those people over there, they need Jesus, so let's go take Jesus to them. Like, I got Jesus in a bottle, and I'll sprinkle it on you. Or here's my Jesus bucket. Here, you need some Jesus? Just kidding, I won't do that, all right? Right, and that's what we do. We're carrying around Jesus. Whoops, some of Jesus spilled. There's his glory. You know, it's just these spots that we see, these stains in the world, all right? But literally, the entire world is soaked in God. It would be as if we're living underwater and we're trying to do that. And you're like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to soak you and you're living underwater? Because we're immersed in the presence of God. It's everywhere. So that means the presence of God is not just found in those kind of tingly emotional moments. But the presence of God is found in very real, practical down-to-earth, seemingly mundane ways that we often might just walk by and overlook, right? It's right, we may not be able to see it. We may not be able to know it. But we know that the presence of God is everywhere. And yet there are times when the presence of God comes on us in a certain way that's just powerful, right? And when King David lived some 3,000 years ago, King David really, was, really wrote about and meditated on the presence of God. And he said, listen, God, it appears sometimes that you're really close. And other times it appears that your presence is gone. Remember he had this famous Psalm 51. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. God, don't, don't leave me alone. I'm afraid of what it would be like to be away from your presence. But then he meditates and he reflects. 
in Psalm 139, one of the most beautiful psalms written. And in Psalm 139, David says this. He says, God, you know everything about me. You can see everything because you formed me, you made me. Then he says in verse 7 of Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Even the darkness cannot hide God for the darkness is as light to God. And I think what happens is we begin to realize at certain points in our life that even though we may have felt alone, that God was always there and that God is always there. And I guess that's what I'm longing for us to live into and experience is to come to that realization that there is something greater than us, that there is a presence that is around us, that God is there. One of my favorite ways this is expressed is in this children's book called The Horse and His Boy, written by C.S. Lewis. And the horse, of course, it's called The Horse and His Boy because the horse is a talking horse. And he thinks that the boy should belong to the horse and not the horse to the boy. So it's the horse and his boy. Um, so the boy's name is Shasta, and he and his horse, Bree, have been on his horse. <laughs> the horse's boy is Shasta, never mind. Anyhow, they've been on this adventure, and there's been lots of uh, dangerous things they've gone through, lots of dark times, lots of questions, you know, turns. They're trying to get from this land where he was in captivity to a land where he is going to be free. And along the way, there's all kinds of things that make just for a great story of adventure. And Shasta has gone through a lot at this point, and he's suffered a lot, and he's almost come to the point of death and, and, and even exhaustion and despair. And as he's reaching near the end of his journey, he's riding along on his horse, and it's dark, and he begins to sense, he said that, that he wasn't alone. You ever had that sense, like you're alone and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not alone? Or that sense that, hey, maybe somebody's watching me? So he begins to sense this, okay? And he senses that in this dark, there's this, there's this presence, that something giant is kind of walking along beside of him or near him. And he's starting to get scared. He's not sure what this is. And finally, he feels this breath, like this warm breath on him. You know, at which point, you know, most of us would just freak out and start screaming. But instead, he calls out and he says, who's there? You know, somebody's there. And this voice, this low, gentle voice answers back to him. And they begin this conversation. And this voice says, I have been with you the whole time. And you didn't even notice it. And this voice says, you know, listen, this is, and, and explains to him, listen, I was what you thought was other things. That was me. And it turns out that this voice is the voice of Aslan, the lion. And he says, listen, those other lions you saw, that was me. And that was me at this time. And that was me at that time. And I was even that cat that you saw one time. And, and, and Shasta's becoming to realize, wow, I didn't know that you were with me this whole time. But he doesn't quite yet know who it is, this presence. So he says, well, tell me then, who are you? What is your name? And this voice just simply says, myself. I am myself. And then I'd like to read for you what happens next. Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him or that it was the voice of a ghost. But a new and different sort of trembling came over him. 
and yet he felt glad too. The mist was turning from black to gray and from gray to white. That even the darkness will be light to you. This must have been happened some time ago. While he, but while he was talking to the thing, he'd not been noticing anything else. And now the whiteness around him became a shining whiteness. And his eyes began to blink. And somewhere ahead he could hear birds singing. And he knew that the night was over at last. And he could see the mane and the ears and the head of his horse quite clearly now. And a golden light fell on them from the left. And he thought it was the sun. But he turned and he saw pacing beside him, taller than the horse, a lion. And the horse did not seem to be afraid of it or else could not see it. It was from the lion that this light came. And no one ever saw anything more terrible or more beautiful. Luckily, Shasta had lived all of his life far too south to have heard tales that were whispered of a dreadful Narnian demon that appeared in the form of a lion. And of course, he knew none of the true stories about Aslan, the great lion, the son of the emperor over the sea, the king above all high kings in Narnia. But after one glance at the lion's face... He slipped out of the saddle and fell at its feet. He couldn't say anything, but then he didn't want to say anything. He knew that he needn't say anything. And the high king above all kings stooped towards him. Its mane and some strange and solemn perfume that hung about it was all around him. It touched its forehead with its tongue. And then he lifted his face and their eyes met. And then instantly the pale brightness of the mist and the fiery brightness of the lion rolled together into a swirling glory that gathered themselves up and disappeared. And he was alone with the horse on a grassy hillside under a blue sky, and there were birds singing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the presence of God? Those are the moments we're longing for when that kind of pale light that begins to shine in our life gets caught up with the fiery brightness of the presence of God and it swirls around us and we're like, yes, 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 Lord. And then it disappears. They're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. But the darkness has turned to day and notice the birds were still singing. That reminder that he was still there even though that intense experience wasn't there. And here's what I want us to live into tonight, to realize the presence of God with us all of the time in our life and that it will take different shapes and different forms but it is truly the one and the same God the almighty Jesus Christ himself that is with us I'm afraid that we rely too much though on those moments right we come here often especially to worship services like this seeking that kind of fiery brightness and that swirling light don't we to smell that perfume of God and just be in his presence but if we truly experience that, then you need to know that even when you leave, even when the intensity of that experience is gone, that God is still with you, that the sun is still shining and birds are still singing in your life. And people that are running to get some kind of emotional fix or some kind of spiritual high are never going to know that because we treat the presence of God like it's some kind of drug. Like we come here and we get our fix and we get our hit and then we leave and we feel so dry and we feel so empty. That's not reality. If you've truly experienced the presence of God, then the presence of God never, ever leaves you. What happens is that we can't, we can't understand it. We don't access it, right? So that's the difficulty. That's why some people say they never experienced the presence of God or why they feel like God's far away. So I guess what I'm saying is to those of you that know the presence of God, I mean, you know. You know you've experienced the presence of God that is there. 
I would encourage you to look for this, to look for where the world is soaked. Look for the soaking of the glory of God in every part of your life, okay? Look for where God is, is at work. And all of us need to ask God to open our eyes, right? Open our eyes to see that the presence of God is there. Because in a sense, we are blinded. And that's the problem. And that, that's simply, as I'm beginning to wrap up, just what I want to pray about tonight, that, that, we would be, uh, that we would be able to see, that our spiritual blindness would be healed tonight, that we'd be able to know the presence of God. For Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he said, the God of this age, meaning the devil or Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. There is a blindness that exists on those who don't believe because they've been blinded by the forces of evil, by the enemy, by the God of this age, by the devil. And what is the cure for that blindness? Jesus Christ said, I have come that the blind might see, that the touch of Jesus Christ would heal your blindness. And if you've never, ever experienced the presence of God, then tonight we're going to pray together that your blindness would be healed in Jesus' name. And that you would know the presence of God. That you would begin to have this light dawn in your, in your life. That you would understand that there is a God who knows everything about you, who has known you from the beginning, who is with you, who will never leave you, and who will carry you forever for the rest of your life. And the only reason we can't experience that is if we're blinded by the evil of this world, maybe by sin or unbelief. But God is such a loving God that he wants to heal your blindness. He wants to heal my blindness. He wants to show us that his presence is there. And to be honest, I can't handle that intensity of the presence all the time. I mean, I can't handle it, but I need to learn to experience it at different levels, right? And in different ways. Because I can't just be... Whew, we're, not, we're not ready yet. <laughs> we're not ready yet. We're not ready until God, you know, transforms us and gives us new bodies. And we, can, we just can't handle it all yet, right? It's just too much. Even Moses went up to be with the presence of God. I mean, he couldn't even look God straight in the face. And when he came down, he was so soaked in the presence of God that he was glowing. And people were like, dude, you got to put on a, a scarf or something. You're too bright. We can't handle this. We can't take this. It's funny how we do that to some people, right? That are living in the presence of God and we're like, oh, you're too much. You're too spiritual for me. <laughs> you got to veil that. You got to blind that. And let me say to those of you who are really spiritual, sometimes you do need to do that, all right? <laughs> because we can't handle where you're at. Praise God for where you're at, but tone it down a bit for the rest of us so that we can, we'll still benefit from it. We'll get it. We're going to get it, right? We're going we're gonna to get that presence of God, but it's just as much as this. I love what some of the ancient rabbis had to say when they were interpreting and looking at the story of the burning bush. <clears throat> if you know the story where Moses, not yet living into what God had called him to do, was a shepherd, had run away from God, was tending sheep, and he was tending sheep on, on this mountainside. And it says in the story that one day God appeared to him in the burning bush. Well, here's what some of the rabbis said, that the bush didn't suddenly burn one day after 40 years, but that the bush had been burning the entire time. And for 40 years, every day, Moses walked right by it and didn't notice it. He was blind. But one day, because the bush had been burning faithfully, 
God's presence is faithfully burning in this world every day. One day, God said it's time, and the spiritual blindness came off. And he said, what is that? Or maybe one day he was just ready to see something different. Or maybe one day he walked a little bit different path, and he just got out of the routine a little bit, and something caught his eye. Maybe it's all that God has the perfect timing to reveal himself for every single person. And on that day, he stopped and he was like, shoo, look at that. And he walks over and he hears the voice of God. God said, listen, you've been, every day, this is my ground. This is holy ground. Take off your sandals, man. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Where could you possibly go to get away from the presence of God? Because even in the darkness, his light will transform the darkness into light. No matter where you go, he will be there with you. And we're going to pray tonight that you would have your spiritual blindness healed, that you might see that this entire world, your entire life is soaked in the glory of God. Let's pray. God, I know that there are hearts in here tonight, my own included, that long to see your glory right now, that long to be able to understand and to feel your presence, to know that we are not alone. God, I pray tonight for healing in Jesus' name. God, I pray that tonight might be the night that you would remove the spiritual blindness, that you would lift the veil, that those here tonight would experience your presence. Lord, in this moment, this room is soaked in the presence of our God. There is a holy and rare perfume in this place. There is the shining, glittering glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is a voice. There is a voice that is speaking to us. God, open our ears to hear your voice. Open our eyes to see your glory.